Hey, you. Yeah, you. If you or someone you know is struggling with anything mentioned on today's program, please, 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 please email me at authentic1 at gmail.com. That's A-U-T-H-E-N-I-C-K, the number one, at gmail.com. I am available 24-7-365 to help in any way that I can. I have resources. I have open ears and open heart and tons of hope. I've been freely given all these things and would love to give them to you. Be good to yourselves and each other. Follow me on Twitter using the handle at Authentic and my dog Marla on Instagram at djmarla.gene. During today's program, you will hear AA mentioned multiple times. The individual expressing their thoughts and opinions do not reflect AA as a whole. Please enjoy. I, I can't get these memories out of my mind And some kind of madness has started to evolve I, I tried so hard to Pick up episode two right where we left off with Jim in part one. Now it's time for him to share his strength and his Trying to do my best Jim deep baritone voice impression. God, you got you got a voice for radio, baby. I know I do. And you got a face for <laughs> I have a face for radio. No, uh, he's a handsome devil, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just say that I'm uh, angling for next position here. So Yeah. Well, I'll fight you for it. Okay. My dog's gonna rip your throat out. Okay, thanks. Yeah, good oh, talk. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you in the parking lot. Okay. <laughs> Jim, at the end of the experience portion, you were talking about your wife and the conversation you guys had about going to Hazelden. What is Hazelden? A uh, treatment center, inpatient and outpatient treatment center, generally categorized as one of the finer recovery centers in the world. It's just up the road for me, so it made perfect sense to go there. And I had resisted inpatient before, but uh, this was the, the time to dig in and do it. And I was scared, scared shitless about it, and I knew that I had to do it. You were no longer half-assing it, and you decided that, okay, I'm going to dive all the way in. I'm going to stop resisting. I'm going to stop fighting everything and everyone. I'm going to go to Hazelden, and I'm going to give it my best shot, even though I'm fucking scared out of my mind. What was that treatment like? I want to know specifics. What was Hazelden inpatient or outpatient giving you? What were you receiving from that? I operate in threes. 
And I'm chided in the recovery community, my recovery community for that. It's the Jim Recovery Republic. The first is I need to get a better handle on the underpinnings of the alcoholism so that I can best attack it, and I need to understand the ins and outs of it. What exactly are the steps in in a lot deeper measure, and also any kind of treatment that they can provide up there. I didn't quite know exactly what that meant, but I knew that Hazelden did it, and they did it pretty successfully with a lot of people. So that was the first. And then being in a cohort for 30 days without alcohol to focus just on that. That's what I was looking for out of Hazelden. The second thing that happened was, is I soon came to the realization, okay, well, eventually I'm going to leave here. (laughs) Eventually I've got to leave. I can't just stay in here the whole time. How was the food? Actually, it wasn't that bad. I was already after a week or two in. Now, remember, I'd had a foundation, so I didn't come in right off the street. That helped me personally. Every journey's your own. It's nobody else's. Because I did have a, you know, I'd read some of the book, the big book, the AA book, and I had worked through some steps with my sponsor, half-assed, and I had gone to meetings. I didn't fully appreciate what all that meant. But a week in, and I started working on what is my program going to be when I leave here. That's the second piece was, okay, what are these steps? How do I work them? How do I make maximum use out of my sponsor? How do I approach meetings, et cetera? And then the third piece, which I now refer to as page, my page 89 mantra. That's page 89 in the big book, which says, I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it in front of me. Practical necessity tells us that nothing shall ensure immunity from going back to drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. That is absolutely critical. The connection you have with alcoholics. So I started building phone numbers and lists. I never left a meeting without a phone number, and I still don't. Why is that so important to you? Dealing with folks who are similarly situated, who can understand your problem, you can understand their problem, knowing you're not alone. And then all of that reinforces all of the tools that are in the program because they, we all talk about the same stuff. So, and people talk about it, it's like going to a class and having a group class every time and it's for free. I mean, it's, it's like a duh, like you're kidding me. You can go to this free deal anytime you want, any place in the world. You can go to a meeting, you can call up a fellow alcoholic and have an hour conversation. It is like an unbelievable resource that you have and something funny happens along the way to the play. These people are fun and they're interesting and they're sober. It's so enjoyable to have that. But page 89 tells you that you intensively work with other alcoholics. And by intensively work, what does that mean? I mean, is it absolutely you've got to go save people and go pull them out of the gutter and take them? Intensive work can be texts every day. It can be phone calls every day. It can be leading meetings. It can be just going to meetings and just sitting quietly because your presence there allows the meeting to take place. Because if you didn't go with a four, five, six, ten, twelve others, there wouldn't be a meeting, right? That's the deal. That is the gig. My program, and I've followed it ever since I left Hazelden. Every day I wake up and in the morning, it's usually first thing in the morning, I reach out to at least three people in recovery. And I've got like 350 uh, AA numbers in my phone. You think about that, 350 numbers. Some of those calls are real top of mind because maybe I saw somebody the day before and I want to follow up on how they're doing with something in their life. It's not that they're falling down drunk and in trouble, but I'm reaching out to them and talking to them. Three people. Text my sponsor once a day. I do that every day. And I do my prayers and my meditation every day. And I go to three plus meetings every week. I go to four now, maybe five. 
And the reason I go to four or five is because I've hooked up with some of these meetings and I get to know some of these people. I enjoy going to meetings. This goes back to my first comment, Nick. It's free. It's one of the best resources in the history of the world, for God's sakes. I can't, and I can't believe Bill W. gave us this deal, and I didn't take advantage of it. So I go back to those three words. Well, it's never too late. I guess that's four words. It's never too late. It's allowed me to be a better person. It's allowed me to be a better person, and I'm keeping sober, too, <laughs> which is a pretty important thing. But it's allowed me to be a better person. You talked about texting your sponsor every day, and a sponsor is, real briefly, in your words, what's a sponsor? Someone who has experience in the program for four or five years, perhaps, could be some, it could be less, though. It could be less, because I sponsor folks now. And I talk about the quality of my recovery. I was ready when someone came to me and said, I'd like you to be my sponsor. I said, seems like I'm not that far along and I've gotten a lot of it. But a sponsor essentially is like a mentor in the program. Hey, I'm going to this meeting and this person said this or this is happening in my life. I'm getting ready for a, a gathering that normally there's a lot of drinking, et cetera. Help me through this. It's the, it's the absolute go-to person in the program. It's sort of like a, a mentor Am I saying it right, Nick? Maybe you can help me with more on what it's... If you're saying it, you're saying it right. I'm not going to tell you how to speak. Yeah, that's... <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, Jim, that... say apple. <laughs> Jim, say fish. Well... <laughs> Jim, say fish. Yes, you need a sponsor. Well, the 12 steps are at the core of a sponsor's responsibility to a sponsee. And the 12 steps, while simple in their nature when you read them, have a fair amount of work in them and, and process and practice. And a sponsor has worked with people. He's done his own steps a couple more than a few times, and he's worked with other people. So he's your go-to on the steps. And you work through the steps once, and then you keep working through the steps. Is this the same sponsor that you've had for the last, what? Even before I went to Hazelden. While you were going on and off the wagon, what was he telling you? What would he say to you when you would come to him and be like, ah, oh, fuck, I drank again? We're starting again. Day one starts right now with this conversation. Let's figure out how to keep moving through it and keep working the steps. He would just tell me, I mean, thank God he stood, stood by me. Sponsors have this unique quality that it's said they, they don't leave any wounded on the, on the battleground, right? He stuck with me. He saw that there was a glimmer of an opportunity here that, that this guy is going to get it eventually. Sponsees fall off. It is part of the gig. So the, the role is to say, all right, why do you suppose you did this? What's going on in your life? What defects are raising things? We just went through the defects. We seem to be making some progress, and now you've gone backward again. What circumstances coming up? You just went to, I'm speaking of one of my sponsees, you just went somewhere. You knew that was going to be a bad situation. You didn't come and talk to me about it. You should have said, what's the plan in terms of how you're going to get in and out of that situation or maybe not even go to that situation because that's going to expose you to drinking, think, stinking, thinking, and drinking. That's what he did. There was a time halfway through that where he and another fellow said to me, you ought to think about going to inpatient. I respected these guys. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll think about that. Maybe I need to redouble my outpatient effort. Maybe I need to redouble meetings. Maybe I need to do this and do that. But they can't force you to do something you don't want to do. I had to reach my own bottom that ensuing winter and spring and reach a point where there was no other option. And he just had to patiently wait that out. And when he got that call from, and during that time I'd had, when I fell off and my wife found some bottles, she'd call him and say, he's off. 
or he drank, he would say, okay, I'll talk to him. And then we'd talk. What are we going to do about it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's just like having a, having a counselor who I trust. And I, I owe that man my life because if he not stuck with me, I don't know. I don't know if I would have. It's hard to say. I'm not going to get in guesswork. I, I think I would have hit the bottom anyway. But in any event, that's, that's what a sponsor does. AA is described as a spiritual program of recovery. It is a design for living. And the word God God. is thrown around a lot. And that scares a lot of people off. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. I've tried that God thing, that crazy G-O-D, the guy in the sky with the big beard throwing down lightning bolts and smiting and things of that nature. What would you say to someone who says, no, they talk about God a lot. It's got to be a religious program. I'm, I'm out. Nope, no God. What would you say to somebody that says that? If you read the book carefully and you, and you talk to other people, it's not so much God as it is a higher power. And what does higher power mean? Well, that's another sort of weird concept, too. What is higher power? It's something bigger than yourself. Why have it? Because there is something bigger than yourself out there in the world that can help you. We, as alcoholics, are thinking we have the answers ourselves. We can figure this out ourselves. We can't. There is some other power out there bigger than ourselves that we need to look to to help us. It can be God, whatever, as you understand him. or she, her, or it, her, yeah, whatever, they. Whatever. Or it could be nature or whatever. But it's got to be something bigger than yourself. Uh, that's what the steps say. Perhaps an understanding that I am not the director. I am but an actor. Right. And the stage is life, is the world. <laughs> I'm not the director pushing people around, telling them what to do. I try. Hell yeah, I try on a daily basis to play God or play the director. And guess what? It doesn't really work out that well for me because that pushes me towards my next drink because that makes me think I have all the answers. And if I have all the answers, then, well... A drink sounds pretty good. Like, yeah, I can handle that. And then I drink and then I die. If you had never, I, I want to know what your spiritual life looked like before you came to Alcoholics Anonymous. Did you have a relationship with your higher power that you choose to call God? I thought I did. What do you mean by that? I attended church. So you're doing the on paper things, Jim. Right. I Showing up church. to church, singing. There parish every council, Sunday. I was on the parish council. Well, that was a while back, but still. What um, was your relationship with your higher power that you choose to call God? What was that? It wasn't much. Were you having conversations? No. Were you praying, meditating? No, none of that stuff. None of that stuff. It was not there. Nick, the term that it's a spiritual program, the word spiritual often connotes a God and a religion. That's not the program. That is not the program. The program, if you look at the Webster's definition of spiritual, it's a positive connection with something, with some other person or something bigger than yourself. I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of the definition. That's spirituality. Spirituality is getting in touch with a positive force outside of yourself, another person, another group, or a God as you understand him, or some other force and you put it absolutely correctly. Some other force that's directing the play. You're not, you're just an actor. You're only here for a short time anyway in the number of years on earth. You're just an actor in the deal. Kevin knows as an alcoholic, we want to be the director. 
We want to be the director, the actor, the scene producer. We want to be everything because we think we can do it right. The sooner you give that up, there's no place for alcohol anymore because alcohol helps you get through those times when that doesn't work out so good. <laughs> and it doesn't work out very good a lot. So if you get that out of the mix, all of a sudden the path becomes clear to spirituality. So spirituality is, is a multi-dimensional definition. Simply put, though, it's a positive connection with some other thing or person that's bigger than yourself. And I would say a relationship is bigger than myself. This communication today is a spiritual experience. I am dealing with someone who is, it's a positive connection on a Saturday afternoon that's bigger than, than, than the two of us together. I mean, but together we're making, we're having a spiritual experience. That's all it is. It can be that simple. You said you want to help one person. That's how you started this deal. Mm-hmm. We already did that when we walked in the door. You helped me. I helped you. Nailed it. Done. Done. We shouldn't even be recording right actually, now. Actually, this is yeah. Let's just fuck stop. it. You let's, drove all the all the way here done. from White Bear Lake. We're done. Like, we're done. We're done. Yeah, you made the drive. All right. We're well, done here. Yeah, we did it. We're done. We well, did it. But the truth, of course, lies in the deeper meaning, and that is, we can impact other people's lives. We can do it by example. We can do it by a gentle comment. We can do it by whatever. But we also can't force people to do it. It's a program of attraction, not promotion. People will see the difference. People will see it, and when they see it. It should feed off itself because we give. That's what we do. That's what Nick does. That's what Jim does. We give. And when we give, we receive. <laughs> it's it's such a trite phrase, but it's absolute truism. I hate those fucking paradoxes, I know. man. Yeah, well, They're the worst. Bill W. is the master of holding two ideas that are in a situation that seem totally opposite. And you got if you can live with, those, with that concept and figure out the in-between... You're good. You're doing all right. You're not going to figure it out. But if you can make progress, it's a contrasting idea. (laughs) It really is. What sort of skill sets branch out from your core, your spirituality, your higher power? What sort of skill sets does that allow you to use as you branch out into the world? Much, much better at the realities of human interaction. Everything we do in a job or work or family is a human interaction. If you can get better at that one-to-one or one-in-three situation, you will become a better person. They will become a better person. They won't be frustrated. They won't be angry. If you don't judge them, if you don't come in with ego, if you act emotionally and you act empathetically, if you shut your mouth and listen and not talk the whole time, if you do all those things that I try to practice in my easy does it mantra, which I talked about this morning as part of my talk, at one of the AA meetings. That's the skill set I can bring to the world. By example. I can't go to the top of the mountain and preach it, but by example. And you'll hear stuff stuff then too, right? People will say, oh, he did that or she did that. Well, that wasn't something that they normally would have done. Well, I wonder if they looked at you and said, he's doing it. Why can't I do that? He seems happier. Well, why can't I be happier? So that's a skill set, right? People in the program say, well, I'm an introvert. I can't do that. You can have a one-on-one conversation with another alcoholic. You can do that, can't you? Yes, you can. All day long. And with the power of media and communication, I mean, thank God for text. I mean, I couldn't sit on the phone for an hour and have uh, three conversations with somebody in the morning. We do have to work. We do have to do stuff. We have to take care of our lives. Which is hard for addicts and alcoholics to do, for anybody to do, to find that balance. Yes. But especially what I've found, well, 
within myself, trying not to speak for others, trying to find that balance between I'm either all in or I'm all out, that black and white thinking. That's a, that's a danger for an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. Live in the gray. I am either the best or I am lower than the lowest. It's okay to live in the gray. It's okay to be imperfect. But the gray is boring, Jim. Boy, it's a lot more peaceful and serene, though, Nick. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's a lot more peaceful That's and what serene. I had to learn in sobriety was that not everything has to be dramatic, even though I am... Very, very, very dramatic in how I speak and how I move and how I talk to people. But it's transformed and it's being engaged in a different way. And it's being harnessed. It's finding that power greater than myself living deep down inside me and saying, okay, you want to go huge with this or you don't want to do it at all. Let's talk about that. Let's meet somewhere in the middle. And what I find is that when I try and go to the middle, I stop thinking about what I want. I begin thinking about what I can give. It's more dramatic than you think. People, when I tell them I do my three plus or whatever contacts a day, I'll send texts out. I won't hear back from some of the people I send texts to. That sounds boring, right? You send a text, you don't even get her feedback. Usually it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. That's the fun, right? Well, no. You send out your message. I hope you're having a good day. hope your recovery is going well. I remember your grandma was going in for surgery. I hope that's going well. Period. Done. That takes you about a minute. You got 16 hours in a day. It takes you 10 minutes to do a few texts. When I say it's dramatic, you'll, you might hear from that person in two months and they'll go, God, that text was just exactly what I needed that day. That's dramatic. That is, that's impacting someone's life that day. And you impact that person's life that day? What about the rest of the people they're interacting with? Whoa, that's magic. That's magic for that day, right? Because now that person goes to work and is feeling better about themselves. And they're not going to maybe be mad as much at Joe, who they hate, who works down the hall in the cube. That's dramatic. Subtle, not quick, (laughs) but dramatic nonetheless. (laughs) Just in a different way. Jim, how do you approach situations outside of AA? So you're not in your... Warm and cuddly for the most part. AA meetings where people can get kind of brutal, but with good intentions behind it. No, all of AA is marvelous. I can't say enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's life. Life is very lifelike. Jim, outside of AA, how do you approach situations in which you used to drink? Let's say you're going to a hockey game or a ball game, and you're going to this game with somebody that drinks and drinks like you used to how do you combat those thoughts of "Eh, maybe i could have a drink how do you navigate that well one of the plus sides for me is my age and the fact that i've been there done that the 40 years 45 years of drinking okay so let's say you have a sponsee that is younger than me well let's just say you're my sponsor 35 years old so yeah i'm in my early 30s and i'm like how this is all i do like i still want to hang out with my friends But I also know that I'm an alcoholic and I can't drink, but I I do want to spend time with my friends. How do I go do this thing and not drink and not be obsessing about it? I would offer two comments on that, and I've had this conversation with people at the younger ages. The one comment I'll make is from a macro view, you're a little lucky in the sense that people are drinking less than they used to, I think. So young kids, actually, there are people in that age range that actually have, they just have the craft beer and they're done. That's the first thing. Second, if you get into the micro, 
the book will tell you, do you have a legitimate reason to be at the event? Do you have a legitimate reason? Do you have a reason to be with that person or that event? What would be a legitimate reason? Well, a ball game. Outside, inside, nice day, crowd cheering. All of that works without alcohol. You can still have fun in that setting because there's an outside thing going on. The danger is the post-event where the only thing you're doing the only thing you're doing is drinking. That's what is the event. If the event is just drinking or drugging, that's not a place you can be anymore because you can't do that. Comedy show. What would be a great way to go to a comedy I show? I want to pause you right there because you said you can't do that. Do you think that's necessarily true, that I can't do that? Or is it more of a choice? <laughs> I'm going to choose not to do that. Well, maybe that's a, that's maybe the point. mindset that, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. I believe very strongly in the language that I use internally, how I talk to myself. If I say I can't do something, that reminds me of being a child saying, you can't do or that. You're restricted. You can't you're do that. And what am I going to do? I'm going to run in the opposite direction and do what you told me I can't do. It is a choice. Your question was practical, though, and so if you translate it to practical, you have to go and make a decision. For me, at my age, maybe another way to look at it, dinner, out with friends. First thing you do is order a glass of wine, right? Fine. That doesn't bother me because I'm thinking about the meal and the interactions with people on that, at that table. I've already made a decision that I do want to interact with these people and be with them. And I want to go with my wife out to dinner. One glass of wine, we order the appetizer, we get the bread, we get the meal. It's the post-dinner, let's have another glass, because the only thing you're doing at that point is just sitting around, and the drinking now becomes the event. And that's the part that I can't, I choose not to handle anymore. I'll use, nice. I'll use your words. I choose not to do anymore. Uh, to be honest with you, I feel I can't. I feel I can't do that, because that, that kind of would bug me. And it's because I, I get bored with that, because I'm not, that's not what I do anymore. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's just me nitpicking language. No, for, for somebody point. For somebody that gets hung up on language, like with the God word, it's important to me that I express that out into the world, that it's not necessarily that I can't. I can. Whenever I want. But I'm making a conscious choice not to. So and why that, are you making the choice? Because I know what happens when I do drink. And when I drink, I'm getting that much closer to death. Right. When you asked me what went through my mind before I went to Hazelden, I was going to die. And when I say that, that sounds dramatic. I was either I was going to die emotionally, personally, with respect to people around me. For sure. My health was, was going to get worse. So I was it was going to end up have, giving me health problems that could lead me to death. Or, more dramatically, I'd forget the fact that I wasn't driving and drink, you know, drinking or driving or whatever, and I'd do something stupid and hit somebody or someone would hit me or I'd crash into a pole or something. So I was going to die had I continued to do that. That went through my mind. And that still is in my mind. This, that was the last Rodale. I wasn't going back for multiple times at Hazelden. I was going to get this right. The death was imminent reminder or mantra at the very end may very well have saved you and can save many people out there that are trying to stop drinking or drugging or using any sort of compulsive behavior. I was dying. Jim was dying in multiple facets. All these caveats of death that can exist in the human experience. Yeah, it's not it's not in the ground death 
Always. Not always. So Jim was dying. He found some strength at AA. He found some strength at Hazelden. He found some strength in the fellowship, in working the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're going to take a little break. And when we get back, Jim is going to share a little bit about my favorite four-letter word. No, it's not fuck. It's hope. 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 You don't want to have a burping contest with me, Jim? Burping and farting, Scott and Scotty tradition. There he goes. You got one? Can you do the fake burp? No, I don't. I used to, I used to fake burp until I. You're a young barfed. Young, young guy, you know. I can still, I can still burp the alphabet. <laughs> let's let's put a hold on that. All right. Well, <laughs> maybe later, right? When I'm gone. I could burp the twelve steps. <laughs> one. We admit it. Don't do that. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Authentic. Yay, we made it to hope. Jim, let's talk about some hope. Are you ready? Yes, sir. First, I want to know, real basic, what does hope mean to you? The word doesn't necessarily have to be AA related, doesn't have to be religious, spiritual. What does the word hope mean to you? It's funny because I, I usually think of that in terms of what it means in terms of giving hope to others. That's where this program has me at, at this moment. So I have to think about what is the hope for me. I, I, it's simple. The hope is this renaissance continues in all of its glory. The more, and I'm just so hopeful that it will and I'm going to work hard at maintaining that hope. I faith in a higher power, faith in something that's bigger than myself and not having to worry about defining it precisely every day, just letting it play itself out. That's all I got next year. I often speak of hope in terms of other people. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe the answer is I hope that others can get what I have. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's my definition because I do feel there's a bit of a calling for me. My personality and the way that I am able to communicate, I became a sponsor relatively close to my first year. I'm doing this. You're kidding me, right? 18 months into the program, I'm doing a podcast, for heaven's sakes. I believe it's pronounced pad, padcast. Padcast? Pa- padcast. Yep. Well, whatever. <laughs> so what's this fancy mic here? What's this all about? Well, <laughs> just don't fucking touch it, asshole. <laughs> just talk into it. Yeah, that that has to be the 
the hope definition. You know, I mean, I could do a whole, you know, honest, open, willing, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so you were just about to do a uh, acronym. And the program kind of teaches you the, uh, you know, honesty, openness, and willingness. And willingness. That's uh, the how. That's how. That's how. That's yeah. the how of the program. I'm mixing up my. Way, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I believe in you. Uh, it's all good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is good stuff. No, I when I do my story, I usually end with saying, I hope you got what I got. I'm hoping you get what I got. You said earlier that it's never too late. You are someone that got sober, clean, and seemingly serene at the age of 57. 58, yeah. 58. Schematics. Semantics. Close enough. Slippery slope. Close enough. What would you say to someone that is your age at this current moment that says, it's too late for me, I'm just, I'm just going to drink till the bitter end. It's too late. I'm out, man. I'm done. There is so much more to yourself than what you're doing when you put that artificial poison in your body. There's so much more. You, you enjoy stuff more. You, you enjoy things more, treasure moments more. You you can actually sit quietly and silently and enjoy that as opposed to thinking about what you're going to say before you're the person's even done with whatever they're saying. You can there's just so much more to it to life than with alcohol. I would even say to look at your past because it's easy to go down the God. I wish I would have figured this out earlier. Now it's too late. Really, I wasted forty years. No. No, that's the way it was supposed to be at this particular moment. That's the way it was supposed to be at this moment. The book says, we shall not regret the past, nor shall we shut the door on it. We don't regret the past. We probably had a lot of fun when we were drinking, too. I did. And so, you know, and there were things that happened that weren't super, super negative. I mean, really, to be fair. But there are a lot of things that weren't very good and that you didn't know weren't very good until you stopped drinking. You look back and go, wow, that wasn't very good. You can get a better life now. And with the, po- with the way they pop age, the population's aging you know, later and later, older and older, you got a chance for renaissance, man. You have a chance for renaissance. You can be a new person. You can be a changed person. You still have all your traits. They're just going to be better. They're just going to be better than they were before, <laughs> which is which is so cool, right? You can you can still be funny. You can still hold a conversation. You can still although dig. it is very awkward at first. No question. So awkward doing no just normal everyday things. When I first got sober, when I talked to people, I didn't. What do I do with my hands? Do I do I put them on my hips? Do I put my right hand in my in my pocket. Do I cross my legs? How how do I do this? Am I talking too loud? Am I, talk, am I talking too loud? It's so awkward. Felt like a pig on roller skates, man. But it does get better. It does get easier. And not only does it get better and easier, it's more fulfilling. I remember everything that happened for the most part. Yeah. Well. And I get to be present. I'm not obsessing about when I'm going to get my next drink or do my next line or pop my next pill. Well, if I had to, tell, if I had to, 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 if someone is listening to this who's, you know, in their 50s or late 40s, 50s, or even 60s, I would say if you try it and you work it, it'll start to reveal itself. It'll just start to reveal itself. But you got to trust it. You got to trust it. You just got to go with it and, and don't recoil from it. What happened before is done, it's over. Now, you can look back on it and help you frame working on 
defects and things like that that says you know you shan't you, sh- you shouldn't shut the door on it because you want to look back and say okay here's kind of who I was and here's how I want to change but don't get hung up on the fact that you're you don't get it right away you can't overthink it I tried to overthink it and that's the wrong way to go do what they say do what the people at treatment say do what the people in the program say if you do that it will happen and don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. Don't get complacent. Well, and that's what drinking and drugging was for me. I wanted relief, and I wanted it now. And unfortunately, or fortunately, that's not how the world really works in my eyes. It takes time. It's that process that you were talking about. I want, as an addict and an alcoholic, compulsive gambler, blah, 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 I want what I want when I want it, and I want it fixed now. And that's what alcohol and drugs and all the other compulsive behaviors provided for me was a solution now. And that is what's so fucking hard about doing the sobriety deal to the best of my ability because I can't see it. I can't see it. And the wonderful thing that I found in AA is that people around me will tell me, holy shit, there's something about your eyes. You just have that clarity. You have that that twinkle in your eye. Look at look at how you reacted to this situation a month ago. Yeah. You are changing before my eyes. And that is what the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous has really provided for me is a different frame of mind, this this perception, this outsider's perspective that I need. Well you just you just highlighted a shortcoming that many of us have. I have it. Impatience. Got to have it now. Got to get it fixed now. If I sent this email, how come you didn't respond? The program teaches you patience, and there's so much serenity and patience and just going, okay, it's out there. I'm going to move on to something else. It will get solved. It will get fixed. That doesn't mean you have, you can't, you still might have to follow up on something later, but it teaches you that patience and stuff changes within 24 hours. If you didn't respond right away, even in a conversation, it changes if you just go silent for a while. And I don't want to get it twisted that only alcoholics and addicts are impatient. Everybody's fucking impatient. But when it comes to my experience, it is amplified like a motherfucker. My impatience is so amplified because something in my brain changes when I put any drink or drug whatever into my system. I am bodily and mentally different than 90% of the population. And that's okay. I just have to learn how to adult just like everyone else. And the other wonderful revelation is to watch those who aren't alcoholics deal with all their shortcomings. That's so cool. It's like, how did you do that? Well, I'll say those that don't. Mm. And you go, first of all, you're in a great spot because you're not going to control what they're going to do. You're just... You're going, that's their deal. He's got to figure out my deal, which you never did before. Now you can do that. But then you watch it and you go, wow, look how impatient they're being. Look how judgmental they're being. Look at that. And you're not doing it to cast aside. You're just observing now and going, one of my phrases is I wish everybody was forced to go through the 12-step program. <laughs> Maybe not forced, but exposed to, I don't, dis- <laughs> exposed to, yes. Forced, no, because if you force me to do that shit, well, fuck you. Okay. Wouldn't it be nice if that was a... Uh, 
part of the cur- an option. curriculum in high school. Sure. We're going to make you go through the 12 steps. Yeah. So, you know, you know, at Why age, not? At age 35, you will, uh, it is a requirement <laughs> to continue uh, in your current civilization to uh, do the 12 steps. So we're going to ask you to get your, certifi- your 12 step certification at age 35. I think the world would be a lot better if people maybe practice some. And some people do practice those principles too. So I'm not saying everybody. But when court. I practice those principles, and what you were talking about, I just kind of had this flashback to being in the grocery store uh, last week just before Thanksgiving. And I was watching this person just be angry in line because the checker was going slower than they would have liked them to do. Sweating, grinding their teeth, just looking around, rolling their eyes, giving people the death stare. And I'm witnessing this. I'm just witnessing this. I felt immense gratitude because that used to be me. That could very easily still be me if I don't take care of my spiritual self. If I don't get in constant contact with that higher power of mine, whatever I choose to call it, it don't matter. If I'm not in conscious contact on a daily basis, I can feel it because I start grinding my teeth and I start getting sweaty and staring at people in the checkout line wondering why they aren't freaking out just like me. Can you see this fucking guy? What the fuck? And you didn't try to fix him either. No. I witnessed. Because your deal, that's the other beauty of the program. You go, not my job to fix that. That's, uh, that's something out of my control. And that's another program tenet. It's out of my control. I mean, the serenity prayer says that. Accept the things you can't control. Can't change. You can't change that person's behavior. I actually exhibit empathy now in those situations. I go, wow, wonder what's going on in that guy's life. Why is he so ticked off? Something's going on. And a perfect opportunity to pray for someone. Yes. And what did you say when we were at our break? To pray is actually what? Well, one of the definitions for pray in Webster's is an earnest wish. And that's all. What if I prayed for this person? What if I earnestly wished that this person could find serenity like I found it? What if I earnestly wished that this person leaves here today and has a better day, finds some sort of goodness in the world when they leave here today. Or what's what's bugging him? What's in the closet? What's in the box in the closet? What's in the box that's within the box that's causing him trouble? I earnestly wish that he can somehow be relieved of some of that stress because it's coming out in this anger at the checkout line, which is, if you think about it, it's crazy. Five minutes. Two extra minutes of his life. Five extra minutes of his life. Very important minutes, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Very important. Well, it's not as important as the two-minute drill for Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, go Pack Those go. two minutes are very God, important. What an animal. <laughs> number 12 in your programs, number one in your hearts, Aaron Rodgers. Jim, you talked about drinking and driving and all the horrible things that can happen when people do drink and drive. People are losing their lives. It's been that way since the automobile or transportation was invented. When you mix drinking or drugging and operating a vehicle, people die. Mm -hmm. Why do you think you weren't one of those people that died or killed someone? Speaking for myself, I cannot tell you how many times I drove intoxicated. Thousands, thousands of times. The clarity of this program and my renewed spirituality tells me the answer. And the answer is thus. I didn't get killed. I didn't kill somebody because I was meant to be sitting in this chair and I was meant to have this renaissance. That's what he wanted for me. 
Jim, part of the AA program as I work along comes to this step in which I make amends for my past misgivings, wrongdoings, injuries. Have you made it to that step? Yes. Step nine. Yes. And step nine is? Well, step eight says you made, made a, a list. Made a list of, of people you've wronged uh, in life. Step nine says you make amends to them. Wherever possible. Wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. What did that amends process look like for you? It's putting a list of the things you did down on a piece of paper. You do that back in a step four, which is an inventory of those things. Just when I was drinking or drugging or what? Oh, all things. My whole life. Your whole, all things, yes. That's a lot of shit. All things that were bad. Yeah, <sighs> well, you can group them. I mean, I'm not going to list every drunk driving incident. I'm just going to say drove drunk plenty. Put them into large buckets. And then you go back to those people who you wronged. For me, you don't say you're sorry. You don't ask for forgiveness. You say, I was wrong. I'm making an amend. I was wrong. The word amend means to change. What's an amendment to the Constitution? It's changing the Constitution. Amend means you're changing, so you're making amends. You're changing, and you're saying, I was wrong. That's the process. So for me, my process was to go back through that. The closest person in my life I had to make an amend to was my wife. I did that. That is more living amends with her because she's saying you got to build the trust back up again, and it's still, you don't drink for 40 years or, well, we were married 37, you don't drink for all those 37 years, and all of a sudden, boom, okay, everything's fine. I live that with her. With others who I don't deal with on a regular basis, I have to go back to them and say, when I did that incident was wrong. Did something dishonest when I treated you badly, when I was drunk at your event, or if if I wasn't drunk, if I did something just nasty to you, I want to let you know that I recognize it was wrong. And what sort of response do you get? Mine has universally been very positive. Thank you. Mm. I don't think about it that much. I don't even remember what you're talking about. (laughs) Or I am so glad that you've gotten sober. Way to go. Thank you for taking the time to send this amend to me. That's that's the one that I get a lot is good for you because people can see little glimpses of who you really are without the alcohol, without the drugs, without the fill in the blank. People have that clarity. They can see who you really are. It's just immensely weighed down and blinded by our drink or drug of choice. And that's the great thing is they actually get to see the real deal all the time. It's not always good. It's not always bad. It doesn't matter. It just is. And that's, for me, the beauty of sobriety is showing up as my authentic self. Showing up as my authentic self. What a catchy thing there. Thank you. Authentic, yeah. You should name like a radio podcast thing called Authentic. I should. Think about that. Yeah, that'd be cool. It's my suggestion to you today. It's how alcoholics help one another. Oh, do you think? Do you think people would listen? I doubt it. No, <laughs> I doubt it. Seriously, <laughs> chicken soup for the soul, bitch. <laughs> well, this is kind of pointless. All right, Jim. Well, <laughs> this has been fun. Tell your wife I, you'll be home soon. I told you we had a meeting, so we've already won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck everybody this else. This is just extra, the microphones and stuff. Yeah. This is all just extra. It's fun. It's fun to hear my own voice inside my ears <laughs> with these very expensive <laughs> headphones. I don't even know why I bought these. Very expensive. Very okay. expensive. Yeah, yeah, PFAI is, uh, you know, yeah. Yep. Big time. All right, Jim. 
Final question. And you've answered it multiple times throughout this interview testimony, but I really want you to reiterate what you want your legacy as a human being to be, besides Marla's tail and shake. And nose on my uh, hand. Mm, nice. Cold nose Cold on and wet. Jim, what do you want your legacy as a human being to be? He gave. He gave. Two words, he gave. That That would work. I could go. If it was a tombstone, who knows? And and it's never too late. It's never too late to change. That'd be that'd be a little longer one, but it's never too late to change. It's only like four words longer, Jim. Yeah. Well, if you want to go, it's that never one. too late That's to forward. change. That is it's forward. six. Six words. Yeah. Oh man, late. I totally did that math. Well, we. I, it's never too late. Is the four words? That's it's four never words. too late. Is that how many words is that? That's four. Yeah, four. Oh, we can, like, fuck the contraction. It is never too late. That's five. That's still only three more than he gave. It's not a haiku exercise here, for heaven's sakes. What is haiku? Five, seven, five. Five, seven, five. Nailed it. Iambic pentameter. There's there's one for, for the history books. Jim, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for your service. Me today. No, thank Well, thank you. Thank you, Jim. I've been working on saying thank you when somebody says things to me that are nice you truly have saved one life here tonight i know you've saved mine i didn't have a drink in the last two hours what a great way to put that all right jim i'm gonna give you an opportunity to really be a radio dj a podcaster a pad a pad i think it's pronounced padcaster what would you like your sign-off line to be you know mine right be good to yourselves it's important something my grandfather used to say be good to yourselves be good to yourselves. Who is also a recovering alcoholic, by the way. What would you like your sign-off line to be tonight? It's never too late. It's never too late. As always here on Authentic and Keeping Authentic, we have to pay credit where credit is due. The musical stylings you add on today's program. To open the show, you always hear... Mad Madness by Muse. And then we got into Jim's picks. Jim, Jim's jams. Jimmy, Jimmy Jam, Jimmy Jam, Jock Jam, Jim. Jim's picks. First, you heard In the Garden by Van Morrison. And to take us off into the night sky. You are going to hear Bright Side of the Road, also by Van Morrison. And remember, be good to yourselves. It is ever so important.